Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Front Range. My name is Johnny. I'm one of our pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. And if you're new at Front Range, we hope that this will become a home for you where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. And if you are joining us in person, you saw a lot of activity in the courtyard here today. Let me explain what's going on. Today is Connection Sunday, and we do this every semester where we line up a few different opportunities and just give you the best chance to take a next step and get further connected here at our church. So what we're doing here today is we are launching a new semester of our groups and classes, and there are groups for every demographic out there. All of our kids' uh, rooms on Sunday mornings and our student rooms during the week, uh, they are in groups as well, and so our adult opportunities are here at the tents in the courtyard, and uh, some of the classes that we have going on are some of my favorite things. There's a class on prayer that's based on one of the best books I've ever read on prayer. We have Alpha, where if you are new to faith or exploring faith for the first time, or maybe in a while, Alpha is a place where you can come and just ask questions and we can just have conversations. We'll watch a video, have a meal, and just talk. And no question is off limits. So that's a safe place if you're exploring what this is all about. You can sign up for that. Uh, We also have... Uh, a couple other things going on with our men's and our women's ministry. Our women's ministry has a conference coming up in September. You can get information about that at their tent out there. And our men's retreat is this upcoming weekend. So, men, if you've been waiting, if you've been thinking about it, today's the day. you got to sign up by the end of the day today so we can get our food order in. That is this upcoming weekend, uh, Thursday night through Saturday. Make sure that you sign up here today. And if you're watching online, we'll get you a link and all kinds of information for everything there. The other thing that we're doing today on Connection Sunday is we have a gathering tonight at our office building downtown. It's called Next Steps. This is where you can come and learn about our history, our vision, our values as a church, meet some of our pastors, ask questions, just learn more about who we are and what we do and how you can take a next step. So sign up for that either on the Connect card or you can stop by the, uh, there's a sign for that at our classes tent out in the courtyard today. We have free food and childcare. We just need to know how many people are coming. So make sure that you sign up for that as well. So please, please take a next step in some way, shape, or form here today, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, you have a next step. There's an opportunity for you this semester to get plugged in and further connected. So please take that next step. We are continuing in our series called No Offense. And we're talking about what it looks like to be offended, to get angry, to get frustrated, and how we deal with that as followers of Jesus. There is a response, there is a way that God would like for us to live even when we get angry and offended. Today, our topic is something that every single one of us deals with. It's those people. Those people. Even when I say that, a name or a face popped into your head, didn't it? Give me a head nod if if I said those people and you're like, yeah, amen to that. Those people who are hard to love, they're frustrating, they're annoying. Let's just go super light and see how many of us are on the same page here today. How many of us have ever gotten our name misspelled or completely messed up at a coffee shop we won't name? Okay, hands are shooting up. There you go. Yes. It's frustrating, right? You look at that person, you're like, I told you my name. How did you mess it up? Maybe you couldn't hear. Some of them, though, I asked on social media this week, like, what's the worst way your name has ever been misspelled? Uh, Our keyboard player, uh, Byron, excuse me, he gets called Brian all the time. Um, A friend of mine, Todd, he got called Toad, (laughs) which feels intentional, doesn't it? That feels very like, huh. Uh, Cody, Cody's here today. He got called Toby. His wife, her name is Cookie. She serves in our kids' ministry. She got called Candy, which, like, 
cookie candy, sure. Uh, Pastor Ernest, he got called um, Bernice, <laughs> which again feels intentional. And number two is the only thing I'm going to call him from now on. You can join me in that if you would like. That's, that's like a super whatever, right? That's an annoyance. It does annoy me if my name gets misspelled or whatever. That's like, okay, I can get over that. What we're talking about here, though, is those people in our lives that we can't escape, we can't avoid, and we don't want to be around. The people that are difficult and frustrating. We all have them in our lives. The roommate that won't pitch in uh, in the chores and keeping things together and stuff like that. The, the ex-spouse that we still have to interact with. The family member with a substance abuse problem. Or the friend who won't get the help that we know they need. They just won't take that next step towards healing. It's the family member or the friend that you don't want to invite to Thanksgiving or you hope that they don't show up to the family reunion. If you don't have that family member, it's you. It's you. It's you. You're, you're those people. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. We all have those people in our lives, every single one of us. And we are going to continue to have those people in our lives. So how do we deal with them? When they're frustrating, when they offend us, when they make us angry, how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we live and respond to those offenses in our lives? I want to give you one thing that we're going to put on the screen here. Write this down. Take a picture of it. Whatever you need to do to remember this. Here is something I want you to remember. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. We have talked every week of this series so far, and we're going to continue to talk about how we are always going to have an opportunity for offense. People are people. We are all broken. Every one of us makes mistakes. Spoiler alert for the end of where we're going today. We're all those people. We'll get there. We'll talk about that. We are going to be offended. We're going to be frustrated. People are going to disappoint us. We are going to get angry. But living with that offense, living offended is a choice that we make. We make it in our thoughts and our actions. We make it uh, with the, the, the words that we think about people or sometimes come out of our mouths about people, the gossip, the things that we say in response to what they've done to us. Living offended is a choice. We often can't change or control what other people are going to do, but when it comes to the way that we respond and the way that we live in response to offense, that is on us. So what do we do? How can we learn to respond in a godly Jesus-like way to anger and to offense today. If you've got a Bible, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the scripture on the screen. We'd also love to get you a Bible. You can stop by our blue connections tent in the courtyard, and we've got them there. We'd love to just give you one. If you're watching online you need a Bible, fill out the Connect card. We will mail you one. We'll get one to you. However, uh, we just want everyone to have a Bible that they can read and understand. So in uh, the, the end of the letter to the Ephesian church, the Apostle Paul is talking about unity and maturity in Christ, how we live, look, sound, act like Jesus, and how we stay unified together as the body of Christ. Paul is all about unity and maturity, and he addresses what this looks like when we get offended, when we get frustrated. So we're going to start in verse 22, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Here's what Paul says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Paul tells us that followers of Jesus are called to something different than the way of the world. We are called to put off our old selves, the old sinful way of life, and to put on the new self that has been given to us in Christ and to pursue righteousness and holiness. And that's great because Paul dives right in when we get sort of punched in the face with offense and anger in verse 26. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This verse for me, I, I, I love when Scripture does this, because Paul say, says, hey, put off your old way of life, put on the new self, pursue righteousness and holiness, and in the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, but what about people? What about when people are frustrating God? What am I supposed to do when somebody's pressing my buttons and they're making me angry? And Paul goes, in your anger, do not sin. What I love here is that he's not saying don't get angry. It's when you get angry. In your anger, do not sin. He knows that we are going to be frustrated and offended and angry from time to time at people. And he tells us that there is a way to respond that is sinful, and he's pointing us away from that, and there's a way to respond that is righteous and just and holy. So we're given these two choices in our anger, to not sin or to sin. We are presented with this choice every time we get frustrated, offended, and angry. And Paul's actually quoting from Psalm chapter 4 here with the, in your anger, do not sin. And Psalm 4 also says, search our hearts and be silent. In your anger, do not sin. Search your heart and be silent. It's an encouragement to take your offense and your anger and give it to the Lord and to not seek revenge and, and to get even with the person who's made you angry. Now, how do we know what a sinful response would be? Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. So how do we know what that would look like? Well, several other letters in the New Testament give us some examples of what happens when we are sinning, when we choose sin in our lives. At the end of chapter 4, Paul lays some of these out. We know that gossip and slander, bitterness and rage are sinful based on what Scripture tells us. We also see some things mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says there that our sinful nature will lead to strife, jealousy, rivalries, dissensions, division, and envy. So when we get offended and angry, if our response looks like that stuff, we are in sin. Don't miss verse 27, though. This is huge. Verse 27, where Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. He's telling us that our anger has the opportunity to open a door to our enemy and giving him the, the Greek word for foothold there, meaning space or place in our hearts and our lives. In our anger, we have the opportunity or the, the risk, the chance of opening the door to the devil, moving into the spare bedroom of our hearts and taking up residence there. Just think for a minute of how dangerous that is. If you were the devil... Don't nudge the person sitting next to you. If you were the devil, if, if your goal, as Jesus tells us, the, the enemy's goal is to seek to kill, steal, and destroy. If that's your goal and someone gives you a foothold in their anger, what would you do with it? How would you go about stealing, killing, and destroying? Here's what I would do. If someone gave me that foothold, here's what I would do. I would use their anger to divide families, friends, and churches. 
I would create a wedge in their families, friends, and churches because Jesus tells us in the Gospels that a house divided cannot stand. So I would seek to create division in every relationship, every family, every friendship, every coworker relationship, every neighborhood, every church. I would seek to divide because if I can divide, I can steal, kill, and destroy. The second thing I would do is I would distract people from their purpose and their mission. If if a follower of Jesus is supposed to represent Christ and show love and grace and mercy and to love God with everything that they have and to love their neighbor as themselves, I want to distract them from that mission and that purpose. I want to get them so focused on their anger and their offense that they can do nothing else in their life but be angry and isolated and just make this the focal point of everything that they're giving their their life to, to just be mad about stuff all the time because it will distract them from loving God and loving people. I would distract people from their purpose and their mission. The last thing I would do is I would undermine their credibility in the eyes of other people. If the body of Christ is the representation of Jesus on the earth and we are supposed to be able to look at followers of Jesus and see an image, a reflection of our God and our Lord and our Savior, I would undermine their credibility. And I would make it so that when people look at you, they would see nothing but anger and offense and frustration and all of this kind of stuff. And it would be like, oh, man, is that what a Christian looks like? No, thank you to that. I would undermine credibility in the eyes of other people. Now, here's the thing. Does this sound familiar? Does it sound anything like what we see outside of these four walls and the world around us? This division, distraction, undermining our credibility. Could it be that we as followers of Christ have given the devil a foothold in our lives and our anger? And that our anger is distracting us undermining our credibility, and it's dividing us. Could it be that in our anger we've given the devil a foothold in our lives and he's wreaking havoc in the world around us because of it? Remember, being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. Living offended is a choice. And we have a choice here in our anger to sin or not sin. Paul's encouragement in verse 26 here is really interesting. He says to not let the sun go down on your anger. And I've talked to many wiser and more experienced married couples, and they've pointed to this verse to say this, is, this helps us when we have marriage fights and things like that. And how many of you know that means you may not go to sleep some nights? Can I get an amen? No? Okay, fine. That's fine. Y'all don't have those kind of fights. That's fine. Whatever. The bigger picture of what Paul's trying to say here, though, is not that you literally have to do that, but that we have to deal with our anger quickly. We have to make a choice. We have to deal with it because anger doesn't age well. Let me say that again. Anger doesn't age well. It's not a fine wine that gets better with age. It is going to get worse. It is going to fester and grow and take over everything if it's not dealt with. It will grow into bitterness and contempt for people, and it will discolor everything about our lives if we don't deal with our anger, and it will begin to spew out of us. It will overflow from our hearts into our words and our actions, and people will notice. That's why Paul says in verse 29, 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Some translations here where it says unwholesome talk, some translations say corrupting talk, and that word there means rotten or uh, putrid. Now, I thought of this, and I just thought of how that can affect and change everything, and it reminded me of something I used to do. Uh, I have confessed my sin to my wife and, and, and repented of this sin of forgetting my lunch Tupperware in the back of my car. Anybody ever done this? You take lunch to work, you throw it in the back seat, and then a week later, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a science project in the back of my car. Like, this used to happen to me all the time. I would just forget it, and I would just leave it in there. Or maybe, like, things get pushed to the back of the fridge, and you open the fridge one day, and you're like, what is wrong? What is bad in there? Something is bad. I actually, I left this. This used to be a sauce of some kind. It's more gelatinous now. I brought this, and I was going to ask for a volunteer to open it up and see what happened. Anybody? No? You sure? No, no, you're not coming up here. We would all die if we opened this. This would be terrible. It's been sitting on my counter for a week and a half. Think about it, though. If you, he really has. I, I came home last week, and I was like, I need to make some food go bad. What can I do? <laughs> so just think about it, though. If you've ever done that, there's, sometimes there's no recovery from what's gone wrong in here, and you got to throw the whole thing away because stuff starts to mold and things come alive in there and, and it's just safer. It's better for everyone if you throw it away because it's gone rotten and it's affecting everything around it. Think about what happens with a wound. you got two choices with a wound. You can bring healing or let it get worse and affect everything else. That's what happens in our anger. That's what Paul's trying to get into our heads here, that we have to deal with our anger because it doesn't age well. It's not going to just go away. We have to process it and work it out and do something with our anger, hopefully making a righteous and holy choice and not a sinful choice. Let's talk about some practical tips for how we can deal with this. Let's say someone offends you, someone makes you angry, maybe you get into a conversation with them, maybe you're just dealing with it on your own. Let's talk about some practical ways that we can deal with this that will hopefully point us towards building others up and benefiting those who listen. Here's some tips. Number one, never call names. Never call names, either to their face, certainly also not behind their back. That's gossip. Never call names. It's not going to help your outlook of that person. It's not going to help how you're thinking of them. It's not going to help your anger. Next thing, never raise your voice. If you're in a conversation or you're relaying a situation, don't raise your voice. Now, as a parent, I confess I do not always handle this well. Any other parents, can I get an amen? Here's the problem. Raising your voice, escalation, it never leads to a resolution. It makes it worse. When you escalate a situation, it is not helpful. The next thing I'd like to encourage you with is to never get historical. Never get historical. What I mean by that is we don't need to bring up what someone did in 1972 to address what they did yesterday, okay? We don't need to hold on to the things and lay them out in, a, in front of a person and you did this in 1994 and you're still doing it and I, it's not helpful. Never get historical. That person doesn't even remember what they did in 1994 as much as you do. You're the one holding on to it. They are not. And it's not going to help you in your current situation. Next thing, never say never or always. You see what I, you see what I did there? Some of you are like, huh. 
You'll get it later. Never say never or always. It's rarely true is the thing. Rarely does someone always do something or never do something. It's just, it's not helpful or beneficial. The final thing, when you get offended, when you get angry, when you get frustrated, never make threats. Never threaten an ultimatum, especially in your marriage. Do not make threats. Do not threaten an ultimatum if they do something or don't do something again. It's not helpful or beneficial. Let's look at the last verse in chapter 4. This is one to memorize. This is one to write down. This is one to write on a note card, take a picture, whatever that looks like. Here's what Paul says. Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to read that again. This is important. This is, this is we, we've heard the don't do this. This is the here's what you should do. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why? Just as in Christ God forgave you. In Christ, I have found mercy and grace and love. I have been forgiven. How dare I withhold that forgiveness from someone else? Because the truth is we are all those people. We are all those people. I am frustrating and annoying and aggravating to someone. Don't say amen to that. I am those people, and you are too, to someone. If we can humble ourselves enough to see it, God can begin to work in our hearts and help us be kind and compassionate and forgiving to one another. This is what it all comes down to. The fact that we are all a broken mess. We have all made mistakes. And we're all just doing the best we can with what we have. Now, I don't want to minimize that people have done real damage in our lives. There are people who are messed up in ways that we can't even imagine, and they have done horrible things. And I am not standing here today telling you you should get, just get over it. It is not that easy, and I know that, and I recognize that. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can work in our hearts and change things within us. It may never change that person. We can't control them, but God can do something in us. If you've never read the book Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud, highly recommended for stuff like this. But it has to start with us. It has to start with me, humbling myself and realizing that I needed his help. That while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. That he looked into history and saw you. He saw the mistakes that you would make. He knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He, he loves you. And he chose to go to the cross for you. And then he asks each one of us to turn to our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends, and show them that same love and mercy and grace. Here's a challenge for you this week. Every single day, that, that person in your brain, we all had that person. If you're like me, you probably have multiple people. I can get angry real easily. I got, I got lots of those people. Get that person in your mind again. Here's my challenge. Every day this week, pray for that person or those people. And I don't mean God bless Bob. Amen. I don't know a Bob, by the way. <laughs> There's no, no, I'm not naming anybody in here. 
I mean really pray. I mean really go after it and ask God, intercede on their behalf. God, I pray that you would bless this person's life. I pray that in their work, God, that you would make them more successful than they've ever been in their life, that they would be effective, that they would feel purpose, that they would feel like this is what you have created them to do. God, I pray that you would bless their marriage, God, that they would be united and just reignited, God, that that, that they would be so together and blessed in their marriage more than they ever have been before, God. I pray for their children, God, that they would be successful at school and at work, that you would pour out your blessing on their entire family. God, if they don't know you, I ask that they would come to know you, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you would draw them near to you, God, that they would have a, a, an understanding and a realization of what Jesus has done for them on the cross, that they would give their life to you, God, that they would be changed from the inside out by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that they would experience your glory in a way that is immeasurably more than they could ask or imagine. Pray for these people. Pray for them. Even in your anger, even in your frustration, even in your hurt, pray for them. Because here's what I know will happen. God will speak to you and he will change you. He may not change them. Hopefully he does. Hopefully something happens, right? We all want to see change, but it'll start with you. And you will begin to see that person in a different light. You will begin to see that they are broken that they are hurting, that the way they're acting, the way that they're living is a growth out of the pain and the hurt that is inside of them. And it may not change your hurt, your anger, your frustration, but it'll give you more compassion for them. And it'll help you see them the way that God may see them. And there might just be a tiny little bit of love for them. And something will begin to change. Pray for these people every day this week and see what happens. Being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen to every single one of us for the rest of our lives. We are going to get offended. We're going to get angry. We're going to get frustrated. Living offended, however, is a choice that we all get to make every single day of our lives. Let's make the right choice. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much just for this opportunity to bring some of our frustrations and our hurts and our our anger to the surface today and ask for you to move in our hearts, Lord. We, we come before you in this moment and humble ourselves. God, we admit that we have been messed up, that we have made mistakes, we have hurt people ourselves. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness for those mistakes in our lives. And God, I pray that we would just, we would get an image of those people in our minds right now. Lord, I ask that you would begin to change our hearts towards those people. I ask that you would change those people, God, that you would draw them closer to yourself, that you would help them learn to be more like Jesus and to make different choices. But God, change us first. Help us be the beginning of seeing mercy and love and grace in the world around us. If you're here this morning listening to this and you're just having a tough time, I don't want to minimize the pain that you have. There are people like I said, who have made some terrible choices and done terrible things. It's not your fault. You don't have to feel bad that you're hurt or that you're angry. That is okay. God, I pray for those folks right now, Lord. I pray that you would bring them comfort and peace and healing. 
Lord, that you would heal their hearts from the, the hurt and the, the, the things that have been done to them, Lord. I pray that you would begin the process of forgiveness, that you would begin to work that into how we're living our lives, Lord, but that you would, first of all, be near to us in our hurt and our anger and our frustration. Be near, God. Bring us healing that can only come from you. And I thank you for what you're doing in our lives today, Jesus, in your name. Amen.